I reckon waiting for the bill in a restaurant at the end of the meal is such a pain. I know, but have you seen Mr Yum Split and Pay? I used it the other day at a restaurant, I just scanned the bill and straight away was able to easily split it with friends, pay and leave. It was super fast and super easy. Really sounds amazing. That's right. Mr. Yum Split and Pay makes it so simple for diners to pay their bill, to split it between a group, and even pay for individual items. Restaurants love it as they get to know their customers better than ever, making it simple to send targeted offers and get their guests coming back again and again. It really is a game changer for venues that love full service but want to streamline payments. Mr. Yum Split and Pay is the better way to pay. And it's free until July 2023. Visit mryum.com. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Doshi is technology which brings hospitality apps together and gets them talking to each other. They are a leading tech integration platform, champion of the hospitality industry, and backed by X15 Ventures. And they've just announced new partnerships from Payo, eClub, and our friends at Restoke as well. So I feel fortunate to welcome to the show, Justin O'Donnell, the CEO of Doshi. Hey, Justin, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. It's always really great to have people from the tech industry in as the last couple of years, obviously, with so many challenges around hospitality and, and tech has really taken a leap, a leap of faith and a lot of brands which weren't really looking at tech in the hospitality industry have all of a sudden, you know, woken up to the fact that tech is such an important part. And and Doshi is obviously a brand that's been around uh, for a good amount of time. And I love the fact that it really connects, you know, everything in together. And we've talked about on the show recently about a lot of different great products for the industry, but the ability to talk to each other is sometimes a bit a bit tough. But I know how many, how many integrations that you guys actually have. So I really want to get into that today. Before we do, like, how did you come to work in Doshi and be the CEO? And then how did Doshi actually start out? Yeah, totally. So why don't I flip those questions around and I'll talk about how, how Doshi was founded and kind of how I squeezed in uh, a number of years later. But Doshi was founded in six years ago now uh, by a guy called Sean O'Mara, who's probably one of the smartest and cleverest thinkers that I, I've ever met. And his first success was actually creating a POS business called Impos, which he exited. And the second one that he created was Doshi, which really came out of the idea that POSs have lean development teams. Their idea is to actually serve venues at the front. And the, the integrations are actually quite complex. And there's a lot of repetitive work that gets done over and over again. And the idea of actually just connecting to one integrator who then connects out to all of those different partners and make those apps talk to that POS was really where that idea came from. That business was led for the last five years by him. And when the acquisition happened by CBA, the idea of actually turning Doshi into a bit of a different business with a change in vision, he jumped on board to help consult. He'd done his dash on that. And so I came in to scale it up quite quickly. And 
that's very much been my focus. So my, my career has very much been around building products, simplifying products, processes, building up teams. And Doshi's gone from a team of five to a team of 60 in just over 12 months. Uh, we're now operating in Australia, but we're now piloting in many other regions now as well. We've pretty much removed a lot of consultants out of the business and, and people that were contracting in and built up a product and marketing team in-house. We have over 15 engineers sitting inside Doshi now. We've got a sales team, biggest expanding team right now as, as we're bringing more venues. And the idea of actually building up that ecosystem has very much been the focus and that, that's where they brought me in in December 2020 to, to lead that growth for them. Absolutely. When you've talked to Sean about, you know, how we build the brand coming out of Impost and that kind of stuff. Like Doshi's like a different kind of product, right? Like it's not because it's the it's the real thing that connects all these tech platforms. Like I can imagine it would have been a challenging thing to potentially sell to venues to understand how it all connects. Like how was how was that for him as he built it out? Yeah, so it's and that's really the evolution that Doshi has taken. So the first five years of, of the business, uh, Doshi sat behind the scenes. We're, we're a middleware tech brand. It's, it's only so sexy that that can ever get. And <laughs> the last venture that I had the opportunity to work for was to lead the launch of Klarna Australia, which is one of the coolest brands you would get to work for. So the seller when I, I was in there as well was a very different conversation. But at the same time, the, the way that it originally worked was partners would actually use us behind the scenes we would ver- have very limited interaction at all with the venue and we would do that single connection. So make one app talk to a pause and we, we didn't talk to the venues. One of the, the changes that I put in and the vision and beefing up the team so much is hospitality has changed a lot in the last five years and we have a different role to play now that there are so many different providers and that single app connection, as important as it is, there's venues have so many more connections and being able to leverage them and use data differently and give that and serve that back to them, it is just really important. So we rebranded the look and feel to go from a tech look and feel through to a venue look and feel. And, and that's playing very well for us right now. So we doubled our customer base last year, which is pretty exciting. We yeah. uh, like the ecosystem is growing pretty quickly and the, the brand's a bit more fun, which I, I quite enjoy playing with and, makes it a bit sexier to sell to a venue. Yes. But it's also, we do one thing very well, which is remove that tech integration problem. And so the venues, the benefit is almost instant in terms of like once you've removed that iPad off the counter and that order goes straight through to the kitchen, it's a pretty easy sell. And they it's now becoming the norm in terms of how you would want to integrate instead of having two or three different iPads or tablets that would be provided by the venues by the apps as you sign up. By the way, I do really love the rebrand. Like I hadn't looked at, I hadn't looked at the website for a little bit of time until the last couple of weeks, and I was very impressed with how how the look and feel has changed. So well done for that. I was curious as well when I looked at the pricing strategy of what you guys do. Like obviously you've got sort of the entry level where you can use one connection point or one one app to come in and use yep. for Doshi, and then basically you go from you go from there to to different amounts. When you're consulting with venues and bringing them on board, is this sort of an average of how many different apps and systems that they're bringing in to connect with Doshi? At the moment, we're seeing it to be it's around two. Okay, uh, is what we're seeing. So, uh, the, the instant ones that are connecting at the moment, actually, so now venues that are, are reopening, it's getting close to three. 
free, but generally it's the order from home, uh, order at table, and then it's a reservations app. Right. Uh, and the power of bringing all of those together and how the data can come in, uh, but also the data can go back out. So think about our partnership with Open Table, just even the colors inside, what it changes on a pause screen to let them know where that a table is now free again because someone's left and it can now be rebooked. Those types of connections are just really powerful. And that was the big change also in our pricing strategy as well. So we've got free plans. They're super simple. But the idea of actually the second one is unlimited apps. So don't make that a constraint around connecting every single app into the mix. So now venues are saying, okay, I'll just put everything through and they can start to see those benefits rather than having the manual switching between the two to or seeing it on the counter. Yeah, absolutely. Because I noticed that you have at least so many different integrations of partners that you guys um, work with. Is it how do you go about you know figuring out those tech alliances that you have? Because especially in the Australian market, like the amount of point of sale companies there are is huge. How do you make sure that you're building the right alliances and therefore can consult for the right the right brands for the venues? I wouldn't say we have any alliances, which I'd say we'd have, we've just got really strong partnerships. Sure. We're, we're Switzerland in the market. And whenever I talk to partners, that's quite important because being a marketplace, you can't be seen from taking a venue away from another product because you're all on the platform. So there are multiple order from uh, order in venue platform. We have the largest suite of integrations now there. And it's the second you're in the platform, you can see them all. So that shopping around is something that we don't want to push. We don't market that. We don't encourage pricing wars between people. Really the focus of how we bring on new partnerships is requests from venues and generally working with that venue and that partner because you need a pilot venue to make sure it works. You And it's so much easier when you've got a venue that actually wants to use a specific app and wants to use it through a different integration. Mm. From the POS perspective, that's very much, I think, the year one strategy was around like changing the vision, but also growing the ecosystem dramatically. So put that in perspective, the deals that we did last year that are now all coming to life, we've gone from venue coverage around about 20% of venues in Australia could use us. We're now sitting roughly at 75% of venues in Australia, Wow, which is huge, right? So we're mm. the largest integrator on, on all fronts. And... The benefits that it gets from that is that a venue can generally get most, if not all, of the integrations they need to be live. Um, and I think now what's happened is the, the table has turned. We've gone from being the integrator that uh, we are going out, we would like to integrate and work with you, to where the, the brand has now grown. There are a lot of integrations out there that now we, we're getting approached around, can they join into the marketplace? which is just really good validation that the product is strong, it's working, the customer growth is there. And also I'm a strong believer that the venues are probably just asking their pause or app, uh, when is the integration going live as well? Yeah, absolutely. Is it hard for you guys to sort of keep ahead of the trend and what's happening? I mean, this series is sponsored by Mr. Yum and like we, we've had a really good alliance with them for a long, for a long time. And I obviously know you guys integrate with those guys as well. Like, is it is it hard to keep ahead of like what everyone's doing in this sort of marketplace, or do you again just leave it up to the venues to sort of make that decision, and then you're the you're the linchpin to sort of bring it all together? I think it's something that's evolving. When I think through how our sales team twelve months ago even worked with venues today, mm. the previously it was we were brought in with the likes of Mister Yum, or it might have been with Open Table to talk about what 
what does it look like to have, get a connection line? Now it's we get the question directly to us saying, hey, we're inside your marketplace and we can see these two apps. What are the benefits of actually bringing those on board as well? And uh, and how does bringing it all together actually streamline my their venues? So I'd say from, from that perspective, it's also evolving. I think staying ahead, if I thought six months ago that we would be playing a part in staff shortages, I would have gone that wouldn't have been a thing. Another big one we've currently been pulled into is room service in hotels. It's wow. now the idea of scanning a QR code on a TV screen and ordering up to the room as opposed to picking up the phone and mm. looking at a menu. But these things didn't exist 12 months ago. With Mr. Yum, we're going to the F1 and with Square to make that oh, relationship yeah. come alive, which is just super exciting. So that's moving now into the event space. So digital ordering is is now just a something I think is completely normal. It's <laughs> yes. not going to go away. It's now, I think the interesting thing is though, from order in venue and order at venue, Australia is definitely ahead of the game. I think looking at the growth trend in the US and the UK, even in South Africa, it's slowly getting there. There are companies that are popping up, but it's not as prevalent as you would see. Justin, do you have an, do you have an idea why that is the case? It's quite, it's quite interesting when we think about the hospitality industry and when we look at like menu development and, and brands and those kind of things, like we used to sort of think that America was sort of 12 months ahead of, of where we were and then you'd see these brands that were, that were popular in the US and then sub-brands would sort of come into Australia. But I feel like tech, hospitality tech is so much more ahead of the US and UK at the moment. It's quite, it's quite interesting and quite surprising like in some segments. Do you have any understanding why that actually is? I'd be guessing. I think Kim and her team who founded Diam and Stephen founded Me and You and, and those in venue ordering, it was that there is an opportunity to order straight to your table. It is sometimes awkward to wait for a waiter. It is sometimes you just want to scan a QR code. Also the idea of not having to do split billing anymore and just reimagining those problems. I think if you think through the US, there are still are problems with it, which is like tipping is a, is a massive thing in the US. And how do you tip through these platforms where it's mm. that 10 and 20%? You can kind of get away with it because they can't see it. And so that those cultural nuances that sit behind the scenes. I also think in like the UK, it, it's a different market. The like pub world is triple the cafe that sells alcohol world. So it's... It's a different market to get in again and uh, I think just different cultural traits around ordering a video table versus walking up and ordering a pint is just very, uh, yeah, very different. just a different way. Mm. But it's, it's getting there. We're watching our venues very carefully and the industries that are taking them up offshore. So it's, I think that's all it would be around, I think, cultural traits and people willing. And it's just become normal then. And I think the unluck of COVID has been a luck in terms of even getting the idea of scanning a QR code outside of a venue to order a coffee. So that was another way of changing the queue process. It was right time, right place. It's interesting how tech tech has evolved in hospitality the last couple of years and the, the fact that things were popping at the start was about ensuring QR codes and health and all that kind of stuff. It seems to be about obviously staff shortages and, and challenges around that, which doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. So it's interesting how this is evolving and and listening to how you're talking about hotels coming in as well and being a provider that you guys are now supporting that you weren't before, what part of the hospitality industry do you guys service the most? Is it sort of 
cafes and restaurants or is it into into pubs and hotels or where is it sitting? Yeah, so it, it's definitely uh, restaurants and pubs, the two main ones. What we've seen spring up uh, in the last 12 months, I think after the first lockdown, nightclubs definitely became a thing. Obviously, order from home, a very big portion and yep. uh, that's generally the, the, the fastest there in terms of you can have five platforms operating and it really doesn't change the efficiency efficiencies of your business. It's just where are they coming from? Just generally some of them are quite costly in terms of there is that the whole other service element that gets outsourced to another factor, which is the drivers. Yeah, and then and hotels was never on our path of things to think through and that they just popped up overnight and then stadiums and thinking through that type of process and how you do there's a number of things. Really, the next one was around their payments integrations. And mm. we obviously don't process payments. We're, we're not regulated. But the idea of just connecting payments, and we did a cool deal with CBA last year, which, yeah, really exciting with them to be able to enable a, a really smart hospitality solution on their new terminals. That, that There's things that we didn't really imagine would be part of the suite helping venues, but it's really just looking at all the data flows and the data that is really the sexiness that sits behind a menu and the permutations that sit there and what you can do once those two bits talk. Yeah, what we're really playing on now and also not steering too far away and not saying we can be everything to everyone. We're not a company of 500 people. So it's really the, if there is a good opportunity where we can use our existing tech stack and the uplift to get that live, it is not, it is not crazy. There's always easy because we can pivot quite quickly and get a release out. And then it's thinking through what else do we need now to build once we're starting to see more and more venues. And yeah, so it's good. Like we've built an enterprise sales team now to start thinking through bigger venues, which we've never done before. I was quite interested, Justin, to see how many different brands that you're obviously working with, especially with like Payo and Restoke and Eat Club and like the latest release of what you guys have talked about. So you, you're you've seen such a breadth of different different brands coming through. Like, is there a space which you're really impressed about which is coming through, like a new tech product or a new segment of the market which you're a bit surprised about? It would be the payment side. I, I think, like, talking about Payo, Payo is a fantastic brand. Taff, who, who leads that, is mm. uh, incredible. I think buy now, pay later. The thinking about it being like, is it this risky financial product? And obviously, my client background, they're very immersed into it, but... Mm-hmm. They're all now touching hospitality. The thinking now that it can actually use for day-to-day purchases because it's the exact same as a credit card with a different payment structure is now solving that problem for the next generation that buy now, pay later is normal and credit cards are not normal mm. and creating a service proposition inside venues I think is is incredible uh, and, and his growth is pretty fantastic. And then I think uh, thinking through the other brands around like the cash, yeah, having, having cash and being able to automate the taking of cash and change. I'm, I'm in Sydney, we're in Melbourne and Brisbane and Perth. Like I'm always in the city when I'm seeing those guys. You don't see cash anywhere. No. But it's amazing that you go a, you know, 25 kilometres out of the metro area, that cash is still a thing that is used. If you think through RSLs, mm. uh, if we think through the bigger ones where there are, or bigger pubs where there are pokies still and cash is the only way in and out, there are propositions of doing and automating. But the security behind cash because it's not used so much anymore was the problem that needed to be solved, which they solved for and making it talk to a pause because they're installing it at a rate that it's harder to do those integrations was where they stepped in to have a talk to us. 
So I think the range of payment services, but they all work off the exact same API that we've built, which is what's the order worth and how much money have we received? And is it a tick? Let's make sure that they clear each other out and it's done. And I think once you can simplify, that's the talking of the language. And then potentially you've got then the app likes like Payo who also need to see the menu Mm. so that they can do the ordering and they can align the item codes up to send it through to a kitchen. It's actually, that's the menu API. It's as simple as saying that hits that, send that off and also confirm payments being made, close it off on POS. I think that's where we spent a lot of time just simplifying the tech that we've built so that when people want to come and talk to us, it doesn't matter what they're building out. We can get them to click into a few different APIs that we've built and their service will now be integrated. And if there's a change in one of the integrations, they're going and building only that single change. They're not going and having to rework everything and have this complex retesting or certification process. It's simple as just looking at something has changed there. You only need to make one update. When the different programs actually do updates and refreshes of their product, like how does that, how does that handle itself inside Doshi? Like does that automatically sort of update so that's seamless? I imagine that must be a big, big challenge for the brand. And that's exactly why we exist. So it's not, sometimes there could be a big integration update. Mm-hmm. So instead of, use the example of Mr. Yum, instead of them saying, okay, we're connected to the 25 pauses that Doshi has signed a deal with, we're going to have to do 25 changes. And that could be two way. That could be something changed on their side or something changed inside the pause. It would be Mr. Yum has a change. We, we make sure that works and we tick that box. If there's a change with the pause, we will make that change. Generally, the app never needs to know about it because yeah, right. that's the benefit of connecting through to us and they all connect into the middle and we make the little wheel and I think that's why we talk about like middleware is as sexy as it can be when you see what it can actually do. It's got a fun brand around it now, but it actually is very clever. The tech debt is what we are an integrations business. So that's actually the product that we run. Where we're trying to get it to now is automating as much as humanly possible, automating apps going live. So if someone say you click a button and you can do it inside a marketplace and you have credentials a lot easier so that yeah so i think that end-to-end is where we're now just trying to remove as much human effort on as many people as possible just to make sure that we're relevant in the market forever i imagine a lot of the customers who come on board probably take a probably take a bit to understand what doshi is actually all about and how much time it can actually save but i imagine i imagine customers and i've dealt i've dealt with this with a couple of brands that i've worked with and people have used doshi before i just find them take a collective breath <laughs> the fact that they, so much changes in the positive by using Doshi, the fact that it just brings everything together. I must, I, I imagine that must be the feedback you get from customers when they first go live. It is, and it's it's a fun sell because it's actually the idea of saying, hey, there are, there are two ways you could go live with food ordering. One, you could get a tablet. It sits next to your pos. When an order comes through, it will ping. You have to then click that ping, you need to manually type it into the pause, then you need to click OK, mm. then you, that will go to the kitchen. Or you can remove the iPad and it goes straight to the pause and it goes straight through. And if you think about then the cost-benefit analysis, it is also a really big upsell. Our plans are cheap, single app $9, middle app $29. Yeah. And then there is a small overage charge. But the the idea of saying, hey, the what's the time effort of someone manually typing in and retyping every order? But also human error rates that are on average 4%. So you, mm. you're double handling on the error to fix that. So it's it's quite an easy sell to say there's this monthly cost of, and we are capped at $119 a month. So that's the max of then you would ever pay. And yeah, so it's 
it's, it is getting to be quite an easy sell. Also, I think uh, the idea of saying you're going to connect to a service, but you need to connect to something else to make it work is also sometimes a harder sell. So the add-on benefits that were built around the business management side, so connecting your HR apps, you can do data flows there, connecting wow. reservations. Uh, we could also connect the payments terminal that you've got. Uh, so all those added benefits that now we're building out, it's more than just that single connection. How long has the HR function been in for? That's good. Uh, so for example, Tanda is a great one. Yeah. And so overlaying order times with, uh, so order volumes with, with staff times and then starting to see week on week trends. So then you can start to go, what does my shift look like? And yeah, you can go, okay, I've actually generally, I put too many people on on Thursday afternoons because my sales are quite low on average. So then you could start to, to reverse engineer that. It's going to be really interesting the next couple of years, I think, with so much high-quality tech, really good dashboards, really good information overall. So I think a lot, of, a lot of brands that have two, three, up to 10 venues are going to actually put in a person not to necessarily do tech stack or whatever, but just to understand analytics with inside the brand because all of a sudden we've got all this information that is actually clean data that we can use properly, right? Like it's, it's going to be a very interesting time the next couple of years with all these great tech stacks on board. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's understanding that data and what you can do with it. Mm. We've just built, brought in someone specifically for that to look at what data we've got. I think uh, we now have over 170 million orders uh, sitting there. Mm. And it's it's quite powerful what that does. That, that can tell you things around do people buy more in happy hour? Do they sell different combinations together? Uh, you could start seeing performance against other venues. There, there is things in there. And, yeah, so, so we'll play around with that a little bit. But also just thinking we had a question specifically a few weeks ago around how far are my orders going so that I can start to make packaging choices and can you overlay how many I'm selling? So, wow. for example, if it's in a foam polystyrene box and it's a burger, it will sweat. But it's actually really good if it's in about a six-minute time frame versus cardboard wrapped in what type of paper. So there are different things in there that That's impressive. <laughs> uh, we, we want to play with. Yeah. And then it's what data, who else would we have to work with? Because we only care about the order. Mm. Uh, if the likes of DoorDash, we don't capture the address mm. where it's going to because mm. that's all processed by them. Yeah, so then how do you work with those partners to go, hey, we combined a little bit more data. What could we give to venues and start to show an end-to-end view yeah. uh, even further? And then, obviously, there's a lot of privacy stuff that sits behind the end of that. So at what stream can you go? Exactly. That's exciting, mate. My final question to you, Justin, is like, what are you, what are you guys working on for the rest of this year? Is there any kind of other segments of the market that you're really concentrating on? Obviously, you've released a lot of new brands that you're currently working with. So what's up for the rest of the year? So I think there, I've got five priorities, only five, and we're not going any further than five. And the first one is around connections. So one, getting all the partners that we've signed live, working with new partners, they're coming through, getting them live, but then making it as easily as human possible to get a venue to sign up. So calling it Connections Reimagined, you can click a button and you're live. There's no human involvement, mm-hmm. and, or it's very minimal if there is. Uh, the second that we've got for the team is menu management. The idea of having multiple menus and managing, managing them in one single place, I think becomes really, really important. Only because the idea of having, if you've got two food ordering apps and you run out of pineapple and you're a pizza shop, having to log into two different systems to take them down is yep. annoying. You just want that one single one. Mm. And I think more and more you see venues on multiple 
platforms. And so making that's really easy for people. The third is venues and working with them. So is that dark kitchens? Is it, are they at events? Uh, we're at the noodle markets, for example, in Melbourne, working with some restaurants that are opening outlets. So making sure that we connect there. The focus then really on the team. We've obviously grown very quickly. I love what we've created. We're across four different states. Some of the team have never even met each other. Uh, so how do we become like a really productive, efficient, well-oiled machine? And then I think the final one is we don't know what's next. So uh, how do we kind of stay across? Like We talked about data. We talked about hotels. It, it's just really thinking about staying focused on if something is starting to emerge, how do we make a very quick call on is this something that we should participate in or should we stand back and go, actually, this isn't our place to play because we, I call it the 80 to 0.8% rule. Let's focus on the 80% of the market and those 0.8, we're actually never going to be able to serve them because we're not, we're not enough of a machine. Justin, thanks so much for joining me on today's podcast. I know that a lot of people who are listening, obviously venue owners are going to want to understand a bit more about Doshi. So what's the best way that people can get in contact with you guys and book a bit of an intro? Yeah, so if you just jump to doshi.com, you'll see the button and we'll uh, take you through a demo. Easy done, as always, in the show notes of this podcast so you can reach out. Justin O'Donnell, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. Doshi's an amazing product, so definitely recommend you having a look at it. Please comment, like, and share this podcast as always with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind, so we really appreciate you sharing it along. And if you don't know, I suppose, Sash, my co-founder, has Principal Design, one of the best design agencies in Australia. You can find them at principledesign.com.au. And myself, consulting for the hospitality industry under Open Pantry Consulting, anything to do to implement better hospitality systems in your venue, openpantryconsulting.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. And until next time, stay safe, everyone. I reckon waiting for the bill in a restaurant at the end of the meal is such a pain. I know, but have you seen Mr. Yum Split and Pay? I used it the other day at a restaurant. I just scanned the bill and straight away was able to easily split it with friends, pay and leave. It was super fast and super easy. Really sounds amazing. That's right. Mr. Yum Split and Pay makes it so simple for diners to pay their bill, to split it between a group, and even pay for individual items. Restaurants love it as they get to know their customers better than ever, making it simple to send targeted offers and get their guests coming back again and again. It really is a game changer for venues that love full service but want to streamline payments. Mr. Yum Split and Pay is the better way to pay. And it's free until July 2023. Visit mryum.com.